All right, welcome back to another episode of the Christian Sages. Say hello, Will Foster. How you doing? What's going on, Brother Jay? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We are going to be interviewing Will. He was he used to be a Satanist, believe it or not. And we figured that would be awesome to interview him. He could, you know, talk a little bit about it, ask him some questions. Um, since we're continuing on our series on the occult or on cults, and um, we're going to be actually tackling the occult in our next episode. So we thought we would start out this probably series of episodes, because I don't think he can cover the entire occult in one episode, by interviewing Mr. Will Foster. And um, so what's it like being a Satanist, Will? Uh, you know, I started out really young, and it's just—I don't know. It, it's an—it's an angry, hateful life. That's what it is. is and it? I was a messed-up kid that was sure. angry and hateful. Sure. Now, is it traditional? Like I, I had read and done a lot of research that they use sex, they use drugs, they use party and, and alcohol to kind of draw in kids that are like that that are angry that are they, really they hurt. They'll use video games music you know anything racism they'll they'll draw you in any way they can wow. they have all kinds of things set up to do it yeah yeah you know it's 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 crazy how easy it is for somebody to you just get sucked into that it really is wow. Wow. and i mean personally i didn't get drawn into it i uh I had some demonic experiences very early in my life sure. and it just, it became very attractive to me sure. and I, I chased it down all on my own. Which is kind of different than the way a lot of people kind of fall into it. Right. You know. It is. That's interesting. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your demonic experiences. You know, um, I'm sure people well, want to hear about it. <laughs> my first demonic experience, I was uh, three years old. Wow. And... I remember somebody came into my bedroom. It was the middle of the night and told me they were my dad friend, my dad's friend. And no matter what I heard, don't leave the room. Wow. And, you know, I'm a little kid. I was like, I ain't staying here. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I took off I mean, to you'd my be parents. like that room. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I took off to my parents' room and... I remember, like, trying to wake my dad up. Yeah. And, and, and somebody here says, your friend, you know, and my dad would not wake up wow. for nothing. And so I woke my mom up. And Crazy. I remember as I woke my mom up, the room just filled with demons. Wow. I mean, there was, you know, it was a bedroom, and it seemed like there was just hundreds of them running all over the place. That's crazy. And then... You know, this went on for a while, and then, you know, and my mom started praying. Right. And all of a sudden, is, you know, as big from the floor to the ceiling, an angel showed up. Wow. And all I remember is he, he didn't look around, he didn't do nothing, he was just standing there. He had his, his hands on top of a sword that was on the floor, right. and he just went, be gone. And it all wow. ended just like that. Dang. Crazy. And I was like, crap, you know? And yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was I mean, at three kid, years old, that's a lot freak. to take in. Of and, course, you know, as a three-year-old, you probably believe it more than, a, than a, like an adult would. Right. And I remember my mom, you know, yeah. she, she cried for a while. We never could wake up my dad. Right. And then, you know, she eventually fell back asleep. Right. And I didn't go to sleep. Right. You know, yeah. and I remember she got up the next morning. I'm like, what was that last night? And she was like, what? She didn't and I'm like, it. you know, and I don't know if she blew it off or she right. didn't remember it. She might have thought it was a dream too. at that point. And that's what she told me. Oh, you had a nightmare. Right. And I'm like, I haven't been back to sleep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how could I have had a nightmare? Definitely not a nightmare unless I'm still in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, we talked about it years later and yeah. she basically you know she's like there's so many things that have happened have happened in my life like that yeah i've just learned to block it out yeah that's crazy i mean you know we've we've talked and i've had similar experiences 
Right. Uh, but how, why, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. So what led you having those kinds of experiences, seeing an angel, seeing demons, what led you to that route as opposed to going towards God? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I think it, it probably had to be, you know, and my mother wasn't like an extremely religious person or sure. any spiritual or anything like that. Right. She was raised that way, but sure. she wasn't at that point in time. And right. she did later when I was like 10 or 12, sure. go all in back to the Lord. Right. Um, right. But. You know, she was um, very, my mother was seriously abusive, verbally, okay. physically, everything. Sure. And I think I was just filled with so much hate and anger, you know, yeah. and yeah. It, it was the, you know, the darkness in me. Like, I just wanted to relate something in the outside world to that. Wow, that's crazy. But it makes sense. It does. It does make sense. I can see that. I think that's definitely, I mean, we, you know, knowing that demons manipulate um, and they tend to feed on that and manipulate that. And that's the more angry you are, the more hurt you are, they, that, they tend to draw that out and try to draw you and push you in different directions. So I can see that, you know, a lot of some people might yeah. take up a gun and shoot somebody or, or shoot up at high school, but some people go towards Satanism. <laughs> yeah. Well, which, you know, I, you know, Another thing I learned very young and didn't know it till later was right. um, I heard about this book and it was called The Necronomicon. The Necronomicon. The Necronomicon. Yeah. And I went to the store, saved some money, went to the bookstore and Walden Books in the mall and bought that book. Interesting. I and mean, I've studied it a bit like of, about it, but I've never actually read it. Okay, well, and I tried to raise and trap a demon for doing my own bidding. Wow. Interesting. Um, and I was 11. Dang. So, I mean, I, you know. I mean, you know, it, that's interesting. I mean. And then I, yeah. then I find out when I was 15 that the Necronomicon was a completely fictitious book. It is, yeah. It came from a story. And I, I didn't know that at the point. It came from a movie or a story, a right. book or something. And so somebody went, wow, it'd be funny to write that book, and they wrote that book. Yeah, I don't know. There is a and demonic Bible, but I don't think it is that. I know that it's kind of... No, there, there's there's a couple of them. Um, but the thing I found out at that point in time was with, you want to find the devil, and you're trying, you're going to find you're him. You're going to find him, yeah. Because I unlocked something in that house that was there for years. Wow. But crazy. all kinds of crazy stuff happened, and... You know, and it was basically just that. Yeah. I wanted a devil, and, well, I got a devil. And you got and, a devil. Yeah, and devil. they don't do your bidding. <laughs> you know, no, you do not, theirs. Not at all. That is one thing that I think, I mean, there's the Hollywoodized versions, but a lot of people, that's kind of their view of spirituality. And, and you demons don't do anybody's bidding. This whole no. idea that you can conjure a demon and it's going to do your bidding is ridiculous. If they just oh, yeah. they, they don't care what you have to say. You don't have any control of them at all, even if you conjure them. I mean, you're putting your life in your hands. More than likely, they're going to do something to hurt you, even if they're pretending they're not. I mean, that's just kind of the way. I remember a witch uh, we had interviewed years ago had come to our church, and she had talked about how another witch had put a curse on her, and she had stopped the curse, and it had actually reversed back on the other witch. Because demons don't care. Like, they're... They don't yeah. care about you. They they're not really being controlled by you. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's uh I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you something here and this is just, you know, from personal knowledge of things that have happened. Yeah. <clears throat> um when you're a satanist, you're more likely to be killed by a satanist or a witch or a warlock than you right. are anybody else on the planet. It's <laughs> a lot of infighting. Oh, yeah, yeah, like you wouldn't believe. I believe it. I mean, it's it's kind of classic that the enemy is very much like that. His kingdom is filled with infighting. I mean, I've always yeah. understood that and kind of, you know, we'd always, you know, kind of had that assumption that they were constantly fighting amongst themselves. As a matter of fact, when Jesus had mentioned in the word of God that, um, you know, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, a lot of people were saying he was actually talking to the devil. 
or talking to demons at that point in time because I think he was actually casting out a demon. I'll have to, sure. I'd have to go look at that again, that scripture. But from what I understand, I remember it being preached from that perspective and heard it preached like he was actually referring to the devil, that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand because, well, he, oh, I know what it was. He was talking about how if he was casting out devils in the name of the devil, then he's going against the devil and a right. kingdom dividing kingdom itself cannot divided. stand. Yeah. Yep. So he was exactly. talking about the demonic world and, and I think there's some <laughs> very real reality to that. You know, that it's it's they just they live and thrive on chaos and they don't have anybody's you know, good intentions they at do, all. And it does it doesn't stand for true for me anymore. Sure. But like I used to thrive in chaos. Sure. It was like almost a peaceful place for me. Right. Could see that. It was a comfortable place. I remember you had told me once that you could kind of, when you were really heavily involved in this, that you could like walk into a room and like literally physically affect the atmosphere. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But I mean, it makes sense. You know, just like we can spiritually as Christians walk into a room and God comes with us and the presence of the Holy Spirit can literally affect the atmosphere. I remember, you know, working and, you know, when I would really spend time with the Lord in the mornings and come to work, it would seem like the day, the atmosphere in the place would just be so much better. You know, or if I allowed oh. the enemy in, and the enemy to make me discouraged or whatever, then the atmosphere changed. And I definitely can see that. I still do this. My work is like where I work, there's only <clears throat> six of us in the building. And. It's we are all like one hundred percent completely different people from completely different. Sure, world. sure. And you know, it got it was it was just getting so crazy that all we did was bicker at one point. Wow. And I was like, you know, I got to do something about this because this is it's just nuts. Yeah. And yeah. I went around the whole property. I got to work like half hour early one morning. Sure. Walked the whole property. Yeah. Just and prayed. just prayed over the whole property and prayed peace and prayed you know, prosperity over this whole thing, right? you know, and I still do that to this day, not every day, but every time stuff starts going goofy and yeah. business is bad and we're all at each other, I just, you know what, it's that time again. Tomorrow I show up 15 minutes, 30 minutes early. Sure. Pray over the place. And it really has, it really does make a difference. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And just like the enemy can affect the atmosphere, so can we as Christians. And we should. That's one of the sad things. And I know even looking at myself, that's one of the sad things sometimes when when I look at myself, sometimes I think, how am I affecting the world around me? And I look at myself sometimes and think, wow, not for the better. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's like, wow. We God. all have those days. Yeah. You know? And you're like, Lord, that's, those are the days when you're like, you know what? I really need to spend more time with the Lord because I'm negative. And, and so my negative atmosphere is affecting the world around me and, and allowing the presence of oh, God in does. my life. It should affect the world around me. And when it's not because I'm negative or because I've got a lot, you know, whatever, I'm not spending time with the Lord or whatever's going on in my life. And I'm not submitting that to the Lord and putting that into the Lord, then that affects the people that are around me. Oh, okay. Well, that was crazy. I had some bug climbing on my foot. (laughs) That's dead now. It was a silverfish, I think. I have ant traps, but anyway, sorry to break that up to kill a bug, but you know, that was weird. It's got to be done. It has to be done. I mean, it's crawling on my feet. So, to go on with my story, you know, yeah. I, uh, well, I met some people in high school yeah. that were uh, a couple of guys that were in a death metal band, and I was into that metal. music back then, Yeah. and shortly thereafter, like, that, that band kind of, a couple of people went, you know, separate ways, like, I remember one kid, um, he decided that he was 21 and he was just going to become an accountant. Right. He was done with all this stuff with the band, and sure. another guy just disappeared somewhere. And well, right. my boys, they uh, found this guy um, named Glenn Benton. Glenn Benton. Okay. Glenn, Glenn Benton. Yeah. He is uh, the, still the the front man of the death metal band The Aside. He's oh, still okay. very well known throughout the world. And uh, you know, I met Glenn and got brought into the Satanic Brotherhood. So that was your introduction. Well, that was my, I I had plenty of stuff, but that was like, 
that that was my walking into the door at 18 years old Crazy. into you know yeah the full-blown right. sa- satanic cult life right now, is there a difference between Satanism and the Church of Satan? You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Okay. Um, the Church of Satan, and there's several, but right. the basic one that was started by Anton Zander LeBay right. in California, um, he's more of uh, uh, humanist is the wrong word. It's It's yeah. like, with him, it's what if you've ever read the Satanic Bible, it's yeah. basically... Uh, leading of weird prayers and rituals yeah. to get what you want. Everything exactly. is about self self serving, right. you know. And I don't um, think they even believed in Satan. Like there was he like, did not. Yeah. He did not necessarily believe in Satan, and right. even he called the Godfather of modern Satanism. Um, right. uh, what did he call him? A poet, a mountain climber, and a hippie, or something like that. Ah, uh, okay. Crazy. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I remember doing some research since we're hitting cults, and I remember had reading about that, that he was, that, the, that the Church of Satan wasn't even really Satanism. Not like what right. they kind they, of they called it Satanism because it, like everything that was considered a sin, right. you know, lust, greed, everything, whatever you were into, you know, was considered a sin that they were going to be the devil, you know. Gotcha. The ideology, you know, it wasn't that they actually he didn't believe in Satan or God or anything. He just believed in you know serving himself right. above all of it. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, and so that that's what he had to say about a Lister Crowley. So, ah, you know. gotcha. So tell me what kind of like define what satanism is though like being involved in satanism um let's see how would i define it it's basically you know i i can can only speak for myself there's all different kinds of roles and (laughs) basically my job was to infiltrate people's lives and destroy their life that's really what it was and i mean Sometimes it was, it was so easy, you know, and I was led by demons. I'd like, look, you know, I could meet a person and they would just download like into my brain, everything about that person. I knew everything about them. I knew how to take them down. I knew what drugs would take them down or uh, video games or sex or whatever, you know, and so it's almost like having a word. It's almost like having word of wisdom or word of knowledge in the Holy Spirit, like a counterfeit. It, it is. It's it's, yeah. it's exactly just like that. And basically, you know, one thing I noticed when, you know, after I got saved, shortly after I got saved, I I found you know Pentecostal church, and right. it basically it it tries to it always tries to mirror the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God works. Absolutely it makes but sense. What they do doesn't work because it's unjust. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Instead of just. Absolutely. Um, but you know, I, I remember, you know, a, a certain girl and they said this girl, you know, she accidentally killed a guy on a motorcycle. Okay. It was completely the guy on the motorcycle's fault. Okay. But if you give her heroin, she's gonna do it. Gotcha. And she's going to get hooked. Right. And it's going to destroy your life. Sure. Crazy. Here you go. Yeah. Hey, why don't you try this? You don't have to shoot it. You can just snort it. Right. Right. It's crazy. So pretty much Satanism is just destroying people. Really. Really it is. And, you know, it's it's way too late before you see how it's destroying you. Sure. That's crazy. You know, I like that because... Not to like it, but but I think that people need to understand that. You know, when it comes to Satanism, it's not just, oh, I'm going to serve the devil and we're going to party in hell. You know, his whole focus is to destroy you and everyone around, and everyone else. It's not like they care about you. He cares about you, or demons care about you, or Satanism cares about you. Oh, it's oh. really just there to destroy everything it touches. And that's its main goal and function, even when it doesn't seem that way. That's crazy. And- you know, it, it was never so clear. Um, <clears throat> I've 
I've been in the spirit world dozen or so times. Right. And visited hell twice. Okay. Interesting. And the second time I visited hell. I read, that's when I woke up in my mind. Sure. That I, I realized because, like, my first time in hell, I was just scared. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. And the second time, I was like, you know what? Let's do this. Yeah. Let's figure this out. We're going to go. Right. And the, one of the very first things I noticed was that, you know, a demon was told to escort me somewhere. Right. And he looked at me like, and you could tell, yeah. he would rather tear me apart than escort me anywhere. Sure, of course. And that was the first idea I had that they don't care about me. Of course. I'm not one of them. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm completely just a tool. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. And I found out through that whole visit, and for a fact that I was nothing but a tool. Yeah. And that's when I got out of this situation. And I'm like, you know, I got to go. And, and it was funny because I had made up my mind what was going to happen. Yeah. And then, like, I realized almost immediately I'm, I'm expecting to hear from certain people. Yeah. And I don't hear from them. Right. And I don't hear from them. Yeah. And I don't hear from them. And I'm like, wow. So I decided to find out what's going on with these people. Right. And, you know, I found out all these people, they pretty much just abandoned me. And I was blacklisted. Of course. And I hadn't even said a word to anyone or even out loud. I had just made up my mind. Right. So they knew, was, they knew right away, spiritually, because yeah. they could sense the difference. But, but, well, th this is what I mean. The the circle I was in, yeah. half those people went to New York. Really? Didn't even say a word. Wow. Interesting. And I was part of that group that should have gone to New York, and I didn't even get a phone call. And they were just gone. They were just gone. They just abandoned you, didn't care at that point. Yep. Well, they, they knew that I was somewhere I shouldn't be in my mind. Right. Like, because the demons knew it. Of course. Because of what happened in that place, you know? Yeah, and they were just like, I'm sure the demons told them, drop him, gone. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Or they would have just tried to destroy you eventually anyway. I mean, that's... Well, you know, that's the funny thing. Here it is. <laughs> Let's see. I got out of that when I was 24. Okay. And here I am. I'm about to turn 51. And I'm still alive and marked for death. <laughs> well, thank God, right? That God shows you just how much more powerful God is. Exactly. The enemy. And there was even a time a few years ago that, well, it was quite a few years ago now, probably about eight or nine years ago, I ended up at the same place with a half that group of people that went to New York. Yeah. And we were at this guitar show and, and all of a sudden I mean oh I could just feel the eyes burning me up from across the room sure you think they and, were all still Satanists or oh they are oh, they, wow. were, they, they very well are and they were making it known wow. and they even threw a couple of threats my way and I was just like you know what I said I wasn't scared of you then and I'm sure as hell not scared of you now crazy like we all know whose god is stronger that's right i said are you guys would have ripped me apart years ago that's right now let me um take a different track just talk a little bit about it now obviously there's a lot of legends there's a lot of urban lore that you know about human sacrifice how prevalent is that actually in satanism um while i've never witnessed it i was about to supposedly witness it before i got the boot um so to speak um i was going to go to a place where that kind of stuff went on and best of my knowledge there are breeders 
who breed children for several things and human sacrifice being one of them. While it's not like, you know, there's cults killing babies every day or something, you know, like it's not like an insane number of things, but um, children are a commodity in Satanism. Not from personal experience, but, you know, I you hear what's going on. And sure. Children are a commodity in all kinds of different ways. Of course. It's, you know, to human, human, yeah. human slavery, sexual slavery, sacrifice, sure. I mean, you know, and there's sure, a long list. And I'm sure they're part of that. That's how they, you know, drag people in. You know, mm-hmm. oh, hey, we, we allow pedophilia. We'll even help you. You know, I can see how that would, you know, be a way to draw people in. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure that's a way to draw a lot of people in because yeah. there seem to be a lot of those people out there. <laughs> uh, you're days. just in Florida. They're all in Florida. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we you got to do this like, up like the, 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 the sexual predator list in your neighborhood, man, and it lights up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sexual sin is one of the trappings, you know, and, and people get trapped by that very easily. And so I can see how you they would use that. Drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, party, giving people a place to feel accepted when they don't feel yeah. accepted by the world, you know, the, getting that fringe group. Because most Satanists that I've encountered tended to be from that fringe group, and I was too. You know, I just went the comic route, you know, and having been raised in the church, obviously I didn't get involved in Satanism, but I went the comic book route. But I had my moments of darkness, you know, dabbling in dark ideas and dealing with, you know, thinking, you know, having had my own experiences with the devil and demonic things and with angels and, you know, uh, and the supernatural since a young age. You know, it's easy to kind of want to be drawn, particularly when you don't feel accepted. And, um, if, you know, that's something as Christians we should, I, I really feel like we could do better at, making people people feel part of the body, and that's something we're supposed to do. But it's easy for Satan, Satanists to come in and pick off, in any cult, because you see that in almost every right. cult, is they come in and they pick off these fringe people that are, that are um, you know, that feel isolated. And that's why the right. Bible talks very much about the wolf comes in and takes away the isolated sheep. You know, we, we shouldn't be isolated because we become easier to pick off. And so someone who doesn't know God at all and is then isolated, they become easy prey for, for demons and for, for demonic and cults and, and the occult. So. Yeah, or, or, you know, and not that it's a better thing, but right. like I remember seeing the guy that was the Grand Dragon of Oklahoma saying, you sure, know, sure. he'd have taken... You know, anybody that showed interest in him could have had him. He was a 15-year-old kid who nobody liked and nobody associated with. And they knocked on his door one day and said, hey, do you want to come with us to this meeting? He's like, sure. Absolutely. Next thing, you know, 20 years later, he's the Grand Dragon of Oklahoma. Yep. Oh, KKK is very much like that, too. Uh, taking yeah. in people who are, you know, marginalized and who are angry and feeding on that anger. That was they're they're very much like Satanism in that way. That that's how they get most of their people. Neo Nazis as well, you know, breeding onto this idea that you're, you know, you feel marginalized, you feel separated. So they teach you that oh well you're white so therefore you're superior. And you should feel superior because we both know, I mean, I, I wrestled with insecurity and, and knowing that the counterbalance to insecurity is 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 pride. And, and, and you tend to be very easily manipulated and wanting to feel like you're superior. So when you're struggling with that and you have someone come in and tell you, oh, I can make you superior to everyone else, whether it be Satanism and a cult, whether it be, you know, the KKK. That's a yeah. very, it's easy to draw people in. In most cults, that's how they draw people in. You know, opposite of Christianity, when it comes in and says, hey, you don't have to feel that way, God loves you. And then, you know, you and God loves you and wants you to be a part of his kingdom. That's a completely different way of viewing it. It doesn't promote that hate. It actually tries to heal that in people's lives and, and bring them to a place where they understand how valuable they are through the love of Christ, as opposed to fostering that hate, fostering that sense of isolation to in essence, be used as tools for right. for their goals. But yeah, unfortunately, there's not enough churches out there that I'm trying to think of the right word here. I understand. They they have their clicks. Everybody has their clicks. So sure. there's always somebody on the outside. Of course. 
you know, and I, I don't think churches do a good enough job at that. Yeah, I don't think. They, yeah, you know, I don't think they intend to, but I think a lot of times it just happens, and and it's easy to happen because you know you get you go into church with the same people. Uh, being involved in ministry, it's easier to, to have a tendency to, to gravitate towards people you minister with or people that you're close to. And so, you know, it's taking the time to go and search, seek, out, seek out these new people that are, you know, that, that have been coming and, and make them feel a part of the body of Christ. It's just easier to say, you know, okay, hey, how you doing? Nice to come and then go talk to your friends. And you don't mean it that way, but it's just easy and it happens. You know, I think we're all guilty of that. We are, and but I, you know, to me the there there's about three things that the church in America should really concentrate on, and that's one of them that sure. nobody is left singled out in your yeah. congregation, yeah. Um, or no, like you know, like when we went to church together, we, yeah. we had small groups, you know, absolutely, and. You know, you Absolutely. drag people into those small groups, even if you drag them and kicking and screaming and make them part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember because originally I got dragged in. Haas dragged me in, yeah. kicking and screaming. I yeah. didn't want to be part of a small group. I didn't, you know. Sure. And now it was one of the best experiences of my life. Absolutely. Agreed. You know, that first small group. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, another, another is they don't really like the church doesn't and there's certain churches that dwell on it and then nobody else touches it, it it's that yeah. the dangers of all the things you know like absolutely the things nobody thinks about like movies sure. okay, video games music you know i mean they all want to kind of center around like drugs and alcohol and sexual perversion and you know yeah. You can get dragged under just as fast with music and video games as oh, you can absolutely. with sex and drugs. Absolutely. Well, it's just it's a similar lifestyle. I mean, I was a video game and a comic guy, and you just get you get dragged into a lifestyle of doing nothing. And and, yeah. and it's it's very similar to drugs. It's just as addicting. You sit around, you don't move forward in your life, and you just not that again, not that comic books or video games are bad, but anything within anything that becomes an addiction will take right. over your life. It becomes I mean, like, a life, becomes a lifestyle. It does. It becomes absolutely yeah. becomes a lifestyle. My son was dealing with that up until recently. He's only 18, but he recently, you know, he pretty much all he ever did was play video games and he was homeschooled. So he did a lot of, was home a lot, you know, and recently, as a matter of fact, just like two days ago, he went, he had gone for like a week to hang out with his side, my ex's side of the family, which all live up here. And one of his cousins had really just on fire for the Lord and really just, really just talked to him and, and helped him, you know, cause as a dad, he doesn't always talk to me and, no. and you know, you pray for him, but they don't, you, you know, you, they don't always talk to you about what's going on. Hearing it from someone their own age, that's going through what they're going through. It means a lot. And he was, you know, right. he came to that realization that, you know, all of the struggles he was feeling was that he just really wasn't spending. He really just wasn't dedicated to the Lord because he had, he was at that place where, it's got to become his God, not not that childish God that I served because mom and dad brought me to Sunday school and I accept Jesus right. and I believe in Jesus. But now as an adult, I have to choose to serve him and and connect with him as my God. And he did. And it was exciting. Meet him. Yeah. And it was very you exciting. God. Yeah. And he's all excited now. I mean, he's really and I, we all know that, you know, that. He still has to walk it out. We all go through, you know, <laughs> the ups and downs. But, but oh, I'm yeah. so excited that he finally did that, you know. And I'm more worried, a little not worried about Emma, but she's in a different place and she's still finding that. And Connor just really connected with that over that over the last weekend, and I'm really excited. He's even, you know, going to go hang out with his cousins uh, before he leaves because I was supposed to stay at the airport. He's just going. It's over by where his cousins live. But I'm just very excited that he found that. You know, that he's really connected. That's awesome. You, know, you pray for him and you love him and you try to live it in front of him. And try to, And you're not perfect. But then to ha and you see how they're, you know, and I was too. I know my dad felt the same way about me. Like, all you do is play video games and hang out with your friends and who are all losers, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, and uh, because we were all kind of stuck in that lifestyle, you know, of just playing video games and going, hanging out all night, watching, you know, now it's anime. But back then it was reading comic books. You know, so, right. but it does become a lifestyle. So and that's, you know, my, my music lifestyle 
got me to walk right in the door. I mean, sure. led me right to the doorstep and I walked in willingly, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. You know, and that's, that is, that is something that all, you know, that all cults use, but I think Satanism is a master of that, you know, using those tools yeah. to just drag. Oh, they are. Kids. Yeah. You know, I don't, I haven't heard as much over the years. I remember when we were growing up, that was all over the place, you know, Satanism. Now you don't hear as much about it, but I wonder, I have to wonder well, if, if that, that, that music is isn't that, touching the mainstream anymore. Sure. That's why you don't hear about it. It's still there. All those people are still out there. They're all still doing the same thing. I mean, I know because of mutual friends, um, like there's a guy I grew up in the neighborhood with that is friends with all the bands. He's not a Satanist. He never was a Satanist. He never got into that aspect of it, but he knows all those same people that I know. And we talk about them Yeah. and, you know, like, how's this guy doing? How's that guy doing? You know, and you go, oh, well, you know what? Glenn Benton and Steve said they want to see you. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they want to see me? You got a wooden stake ready or something? You know, <laughs> what do they got? But, you know, they're like, oh, no, they're over it now. They just want to, you know, see how you're doing and all that. I'm like, okay, whatever. But, you know, um, they're all still doing the same thing. They're all still touring the world. They're all still spreading you know, the, the gospel of, you know, the black gospel. And sure. it's, they're, they're all still out there and they're all still doing it. Now, do you think it's as prevalent though? Like it's just underground more? It is more like it started out in the underground and there was, I'm going to say somewhere between five and 10 years where it poked its head up into the mainstream a little bit. Yeah, it did for a while. Like in the <laughs> and, and then it went right back down in the underground, but it's still there just as strong as it was at the beginning of the sure, underground. Sure. I mean, I could see that, you know, it just, the influences are different because all, just like all cults, uh, one of the, we had talked about Christian scientists last uh, episode and they really have kind of faded because they're not evangelical or they haven't adapted where a lot of the cults adapt. And, and you see that adaption uh, to where they're able to get, continue to get people because they adapt they start of course they also keep a lot of them stuck in that probably satanism is very similar to where these people know if they leave they lose their friends they lose their family they lose everything that they've built up well most of them you know yeah. here's one thing i never had you know even as a satanist even as a non-christian i never put any value on my own life sure you know I was born an angry, beat up kid. I, you know, and yeah. that, that's who I was. I didn't care if I died tomorrow. Right. And honestly, I still don't, but it's for a completely different reason now. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like when you know you're going to meet Jesus when you die, you're right. okay with it. Yeah, you know, like, I'm, okay. I'm perfectly fine. It's like, you know, they told me they were like, when I had my heart surgery, they were like, you only have a 1% chance of dying. We just want to tell you that going in. So you don't have to worry about nothing. And I'm like, I ain't worried about nothing. Yeah. That I die. I win. I'm good. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to heaven. We're good. Yeah. And, but you know, the, the threat of death and going out or spilling secrets is very real. Sure. And you know, that's, you see, I'm sure that a lot of, yeah. There, there's a lot of people I know for a fact that want out and they're just terrified to leave. They're terrified that right. they're going to die, that their children are going to die, that sure. their mother and father are going to die, you know, and it's and the, the threat is real. It really is. Yeah. Now, how prevalent, again, there is a lot of rumors and if you want to call them urban legends that. A lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of people in politics are involved in Satanism. Oh, my God, yes. Okay. <laughs> Hollywood, politics, your mailman, they're out there. Right. <laughs> your local police department, they're there. Wow. They got their fingers in every pie everywhere. And they, they tried to hush it up, and it was kind of easy because he's a nut job. But right. one of the... Uh, Corey's 
I can't remember which one. I think it's Corey Haim. Okay. Uh, Corey, yeah, he was the one who killed himself, I think, or... Okay, well, then it was the other one. Corey Feldman. The one that's that's still alive. He's the one who came out, I don't know, like... Yeah. He came out, like, 15, 20 years ago and said, you know, the problem with Hollywood is all the pedophiles and the Satanists. Yes, yes. And they kind of blew it over, and he did it again, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, and now they're all over. It it made a bigger news, but it got just... It just went quietly away again. Now they're really going after so I wonder how much they're going after the pedophiles. They're not calling anybody out for being a Satanist. Well, of course not. But I mean, there's always that, you know, the supposedly like all almost every uh, contemporary singer that is really popular has sold their soul to the devil, and there's or the Illuminati. There's a lot of talk about the Illuminati. Uh, the re- most recent one is um, uh, what's her name? The country, the blonde country singer that's not really country. Um, Oh, Taylor Swift, supposedly she made, she wrote a song speaking out against them and then they came down on her. You know, there was like Speak, speak, speaking out against the Illuminati cuz Yeah, it was the Illuminati and and which I'm I'm in and and like media, any kind of media no matter what it is, I'm in my own little world. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't watch the news. I don't, you know, I, just, I don't pay attention to any of that. With what I do now with the with a podcast and stuff, I tend to follow right. others, and I, it, it's you know how accurate it is. Obviously, she came more out liberal, and a lot of people were like, "Well, that's the liberal." She was more talking out against the liberals, and then the liberal ideology smacked down on her. Because if you're in Hollywood, you have to be liberal. But even that's beginning to change a bit. You're seeing a revival in that area, a lot more than it used to be. But I know that I had always heard that, particularly with music, but even in, in Hollywood that. Most of these people had sold their soul to the devil, and that that was a requirement if you wanted to be successful. Um, I don't know how much of a requirement it is, but I mean, I can go all the way back to um, the one of the Beatles album covers. Right. Um, they said they put all these people on there that they felt did the world a great service. Right. And one of them was a Lister Crowley. Really? Didn't know that. Yeah. He's on a Beatles album cover as one of the people that they felt did the world, did great things for the world. Right. You know, Um, growing up as a Christian, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Mick Jagger, his brother starred in a satanic movie, like an underground satanic movie that he was supposed to star in and backed out at the last second. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, all the way back to the Beatles and the Stones, and I mean, I know growing up we heard a lot about it, but yeah, I you haven't recently, but I know it's still out there. This idea, that, oh, that you have it, to it's out there. No, nobody wants to talk about that anymore. Sure, well, they feel they feel that it's been talked to death. It's not news. True, and true, you know, it, it's basically, you know, it, it's nothing's going to change. That that's the the consensus. The status quo is nothing's going to change. Let it go. Well, I, yeah, and because yeah. the world now, you know, is so twisted up that it almost seems like small potatoes sometimes. Well, sure, because Satanism isn't. Nobody's afraid of it anymore. You know, we grew up with that, like ah, demon around every corner, and Satanism was a big problem. Nowadays, nobody talks about it. It's like it's not a problem anymore. Nobody cares. It's a joke. Oh, it's a joke, and it's just, you know, it's just movie fodder and, you know, uh, paranormal fantasy books, and it's just become a joke, you know, it's, or just become fantasy. Like, you know, that's it's just fantasy. That's really not happening. But I think a lot of times that's when it becomes the most deadly and destructive is when people get to that yes. point where they're like, because... oh, we'll just brush it under the rug, and it's not really happening, or we, we don't really believe in that. Like, it doesn't matter anymore, but yet it's still going on. That's when it becomes no. its most there's, dangerous. There's, I forget who said it, but somebody said, and it's, it, it's, it was a quote years ago, the dev, you know, the, the biggest trick the devil can pull on people is to let them think that he doesn't exist or make them think that he doesn't right, exist. Right, that was the smartest thing he'd ever done or something like that. Yeah, yeah that, that's smartest thing he ever did was make them think he doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. And that's so true. Um, that's, I, I've, you know, having dealt with demons, having dealt with 
what the world would call exorcism. Not that I've been involved in tons of this, of them, uh, at least personally, I've been involved in the sense that I was there when other people were doing it, or I was a praise and worship leader. But as far as me laying hands on people, casting out devils, not as much, a little bit, but not as much. But, um, you know, having understand that what is one of the things that is the most dangerous about spiritual oppression is the fact that people don't know what's going on. And that when they're right. the most out in the open, screaming and frothing at the mouth, that's actually when they're the weakest. That's their last kind the, of last ditch effort to kind of scare you. The the biggest thing I think is people also at this point they they don't they don't recognize the real threat. Like I'm not gonna throw somebody under the rug, but there's somebody I know that you know. And they're doing drugs. And I sat down and I had the talk with them. It was like, look, you know, there, there's, there, there's a verse in the satanic Bible. They will do all kinds of drugs and drink wine and manners of liquor in worship of me. You have to do that in worship of Satan. Well, you know, I have to do that in worship of Satan. Those drugs and that alcohol and being drunk, it opens your mind to demons. Absolutely. And that's why it's used, you know? And, uh, I like, I even took out my phone and pulled up the verse in the, you know, in that book. And and they were like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know? And later they, later they came and told me, you know, you were right. I've, you know, you explained some things to me and you showed me what to watch out for when I was doing drugs and I saw all those things and you were completely right. And I'm like, and you're still doing the drugs though. Well, yeah. It's almost a prerequisite in almost every form of idol worship, Satan worship, demon worship, uh, ancient religions. Most of them used some form of psychotic drug or, or alcohol in order to get themselves in a, in a state where they would be susceptible to uh, accessible to the spirit world or success, you know, successful to the spirit world where it was able yeah. to affect them. That's a common understanding in every form of ancient religion. Um, and the fact that we don't, that we kind of brush that under the table now, like it's somehow different. It's crazy. Right. And uh, that's what I mean. I even like walk this person up to a thing, you know, and they go, you know, and I asked them about it later, and they were like, yeah, you're right. I, I saw everything that you said. Everything you said was correct. Everything that you said was going to happen, happened, you know. And I'm like, but you're still doing the drugs. Yeah. Well, they were like, yeah. <laughs> well, people are dumb sometimes. You know, and it's just like, you know, you know, and, you know, my daughter is an addict, and she does the same thing. And it's like, I, I don't understand. You've seen firsthand so much stuff. How can you, you know, choose to live this way? It's weird because having been someone who was addicted to cigarettes and kind of relapsed a couple of years ago for a while, um, it becomes a lifestyle. And you don't even realize you're addicted. Like, you don't see the effects of it. You know it's bad for you. But you don't, it's, it, it becomes a lifestyle just like anything else. And it's and you have to break that lifestyle. And and breaking a lifestyle is one of the. It, it's not impossible, but it's hard. Just like oh, overeating is a lifestyle, yeah. working out is a lifestyle. You know, if you're overweight, like I am, well, you got to break the mentalities and the lifestyle of overeating and not exercising. If, if you don't break that, you're going to continue being overweight. Well, it's the same thing with any kind of drug or alcohol. It becomes addictive and it becomes a lifestyle. And mm-hmm. and that. That's the hard part. It's not the the physical necessarily aspect of it that becomes the most addicting or hardest to break. It's the mental. It's that lifestyle that becomes what you do. It's your habit. yeah, it, and it, it's even more than the you know, and it's weird what things can become an addiction because sure. absolutely, I'll tell you what, the hardest thing for me to ever, hardest thing I ever gave up in my life was my music. Oh, I can see that. I understand that. Absolutely. Still there? And, oh, yeah, yeah I'm still here. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was I just see. having a little moment of silence for my loss, for your music. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I can really relate to that because 
there have been times I, I had to give up reading fan like there were certain fantasy books that I really loved and I was addicted to them. And even comic books. I was addicted to comic books. And I had their when I was in Bible school, I had to let go of a lot of that because of the direction they were going. I felt like they were becoming hypersexualized. They were becoming very dark. They were becoming very anti God, very humanistic. And I had to let go of them. And it was like, and even to this day, I've never really gone back to reading comics or even reading fantasy books the same way that I did when I was a kid because I don't want that in my life. And it was a really hard addiction to break because it was part of my lifestyle. And it meant, it meant a lot of, it was a big part of my life. Still is to yeah. some degree and part of my personality. And I think that's something that I've learned. I was actually studying that in the Word, how when you study what Paul is talking about, how we should relate to God, very much we should be relating to Jesus the way an addict relates to to addiction. You very oh, much yeah. can see that that you can become. We should become addicted to the Holy Spirit. That it should become our lifestyle, and and we identify with that. And as as a as a smoker for a while, as a comic book geek, as a as an anime geek, even it becomes your lifestyle and part of how you identify yourself, and 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 that can be very dangerous. And so that those kind of addictions can be even harder to break than drugs. Or, or even alcohol to some degree, and they can become just as deadly and just as destructive. And they can become just as much a gateway into a lifestyle that takes you away from the presence of God or leads you or fosters negativity. You know, I wrestled with depression, and then a lot of the, like, you know, a lot of the uh, stuff I was reading, a lot of the, the movies I was watching were fostering that. You know what I'm saying? And even the music, the music I listened to fostered that. I was addicted to Evanescence for a while. You know, when I was younger, and, and and not realizing that that can very much um, become even more of a danger to you. It's funny because my parents oh, said this. Can. You know, we were kids. You know, like <laughs> you know, don't listen to secular music, and we were always you know kind of be like, oh, you're so strict and that's stupid. And now, I, as an adult, you look back and you're like, you know what? They were just trying to protect me from from spirits and environments that would could foster negativity in me until I was old enough to understand that. And be able to see that from right. an adult perspective. So I did exactly. did the same thing to my kids. I probably let them watch too much stuff they shouldn't watch. And now they're old enough and they do their own thing. I remember my mom, and this is funny because I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard well, when I was like 14. Even though I was already, you know, I was already headed into that life, everything, right. you know. She she came into my room one day, listen to you know, I was listening to music and I always had music playing, and she uh, she's like, I don't want you listening to that in this house. There's demons in that music. Right. And I was like, I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. Absolutely. It was laughable, and you know, here I am. You know, yeah. We're gonna say. Mm, probably six years later, right? Six to seven years later, yeah. Living that lifestyle, going, holy crap, she was right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nobody, weird. Nobody tell her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, even I watch stuff and, and anime. I like anime, but you know, I had to stop watching certain animes because I was like, you see how it affects your life and it affects the way you think because that's what you're putting in. And, you know, I tell my kids the same thing, like, hey, you know, you need to be careful with this because, you know, or set boundaries. Like, you can watch this, but you can't watch that. Maybe I still was not as much of a boundary as I should have been, but I was like, you know, hey, because I don't want that spirit in your life. And all all, as a creative person, as a writer, as someone who sang, you realize that there is a spirit behind what you're writing. And when people, people read my books... There is a distinctive Christian spirit behind it. Even if I'm covering, you know, ridiculous supernatural because I write paranormal fantasy, it's it's ridiculous and some of it's goofy. And, you know, as a Christian, you look at it and go, that's stupid. That doesn't really happen that way. But in the same extent, there is an underlying spirit of Christianity and the presence of God that is in every one of my stories. And and yet, you know, when when you start writing about these things, 
even though they're fiction in the mind of the, uh, even if they're fiction, there is a spirit behind it. And if that spirit is coming oh, from yeah. humanism, then you're going to get a humanistic spirit that is going to affect your life. If, if it's a satanic, you're going to get a satanic spirit that's affecting your life. Whether we like that or not and think that's stupid or not, it's a very true reality because that's the power of create, creativity. I mean, God created the universe by speaking it into being. He created the word of God, our words on page that hold power. Well, it's the same thing in, 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 right. when it comes to other spirits as well, whether it be humanism or, or, or satanic. You know, it affects us through that creative process. You may not like it, but it's true. It, it really does. And the more of that you put in, the more it's going to affect your life, and particularly when we become unbalanced, which that is what I found for me and even for my kids. The biggest problem is just balance. And I think all Christians kind of wrestle with that. It's not that we're give it over to Satanism or we're, you know, watching porn, but yet we're putting so much of the world and so much of the world's ideology, some of it is satanic into our lives and not enough of the word of God in that that becomes our way of thinking and our way of relating. And it's a subtle change that you don't realize, which is why it's so yeah. important to be renewed by the washing of the water of the word, because the more of the words you put in, <clears throat> the more, more of the things of God you put in, the more your thinking becomes that and the more your, your reactions become godly the more your spirit around your life becomes godly. But the more the world you put in, the more the world that you that it's going to be coming out. And, and that's just reality. Doesn't necessarily mean you're giving over to the devil. But if you're putting a lot of say, oh, my daughter likes horror films. I hate horror films because of that. But she likes horror films. I, I can't control her at 19 what she's watching. But, you know, it's like, no. I always watch thought them? they were dumb. Oh, me too. But it's not like <laughs> she's off, you know. But, but at the same extent, realizing that if that's all she's putting into her life, that will affect her. If she's not spending time in the Word, if she's not spending time in church, which she's really not to some degree, you know, not like I would like to see her doing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that begins to affect your thinking. Do I think she's not a Christian? Absolutely not. Is she going to go into Satanism? Absolutely not. Is she going to start living in sin? I don't think so. But, it's it, you know, it's a subtle change in, in, in spirit around your it, life. It, it allows small stuff to start creeping and turning yeah. to big stuff. Oh, absolutely. I've seen that in my life. Uh, <laughs> I'm very guilty yeah. of that. Very guilty um, that. One of the last sermon series they had at our church um, was not only holding your thoughts captive, right. but your words. Agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. And it was like also to the point of not even... You know, right. like stupid things everybody says, like you're killing me. Sure, absolutely. Agree. You know, and I, I got to a point where I was like, he started talking, and I was like, oh no, you know, yeah. really? Are we this small now? And then I was like, by the end of the first sermon, I was like, man, he's right. It's true. <laughs> he's really right. Absolutely. He's on. He is on point. My dad had made a comment when he was preaching about words and how words are containers of power. I mean, when you think about even in the demonic realm, they cast spells or, or the witchcraft realm. You're speaking a spell because words contain power. It's the same with Christianity. We speak the word. We speak because there's power in that. God spoke the universe into being. So there's very much power in that. So what we say affects the atmosphere around our lives. And, and we what, do need to be careful. What we, I'm horrible so, with that. To be with you. Something that people forget, you know, we have this thing now that we call cursing, Yeah. you know, yeah. and we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we think of it as cuss words, right? but that term did not come from certain words, right? You know, originally and, you know, the old school world, you know, that's right. 13, 14th, 15th century, you know, they would, you know, when they got mad at somebody, they wouldn't like be like expletive, expletive, expletive. Right, they right. like, I curse you with this that's and that, right. and your children die, blah, 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 blah. And that's where it really came from. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You're cursing somebody. <laughs> and it's, yeah. you know, and I remember just stupid stuff too, like being funny at church when uh, Tina and I got married. And Linda Pollard started going, when are you going to have a kid? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. 
I am 40 years old. I am not having any more kids. Yeah, and Linda was like, "You what?" I'm like, "I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You're not doing that." To no, me. you're not speaking. You're not speaking that into being. Uh. Uh-uh. No. I. Yeah, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, so let's because we have to kind of wrap this up soon. Let's. Um, I want to. You know, we're gonna get pretty goofy here. Fun for fun. You know, we've talked about you know a lot of the seriousness. So. And I know I've asked you these questions, and I know that people are listening are going to want to know these questions. Are vampires real? Um, yes. Okay. Vampires are real, not in the sense of you know the the folk legend. Right. They're not like sucking blood and living forever kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're not sucking blood and living. they are sucking blood. You know, they right. drink blood. Okay. Um, there, there are plenty of people who drink blood for all kinds of spiritual reasons. Right. Of course. But so technically, yes, as you know, folklore would want to, you know, portray them like Dracula. No, no. Okay. So there's no like living eternity and undead creatures. Um, not to my knowledge, not to your knowledge. Um, werewolves. I know we had also talked about that. Lycanthropes, yes. uh, you know, lycanthropy, yes. um, um, skinwalkers in the Native American ideas. Yes, yes, and yes, except also not the same. Um, it's a demonic cover. Okay. Um, a demon can possess, you know, like, I, I know I was possessed by three demons. Okay. And I had one of them all the time. Gotcha. Never left me. And the other couple came and went for different reasons. Sure. Okay. Um, but yes, I mean, a, a demon can enter you and give you any appearance they want you to have. Wow. Okay. Interesting. But you're not like an actual wolf. No, you're not like an actual, but you know, they, they can, they can portray whatever they want. And, you know, it can look like, like literally like a, a werewolf can jump out and look like it's eating someone. And yeah, somebody's biting someone and somebody's bleeding, but you're seeing something a demon wants you to see. So it's more of like a hologram than yeah. actual. Okay. I mean, obviously, even in Christian lore, demons can give super strength. You know. To- oh yes, yes. That's one of the demons that came in and out of me. That's it was for strength. Absolutely, and I, and I believe that you know we've that's experienced. I mean, the sons of Skiva, where the one demon you know beat the seven of them and sent them out, and then of course right. the Gadarian demoniac where no one could hold him down and he couldn't mm-hmm. even stay chained. He broke his chains to run to Jesus, you know. Right. So so there are you know some realities in that sense, but not like in the lycanthrope where if you get bit by a werewolf you become a werewolf and you turn into a werewolf on the full moon. I figured it wasn't real, but I, you know, we, people are interested in that. You know, like, how far does the devil's power really stem? You know, it's all hocus pocus, really. Yeah, yeah. Sounds you know, if, yeah. He, he, I, look, he, he is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, any, well, you know, the, you know as well as I do. There's hundreds of different kinds of demons. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And there's, you know, you got a demon that can shapeshift you. They they can enter you and you can get a physical appearance from sure. what they project. Gotcha. Gotcha. And make the world perceive you a certain way. That makes sense. Makes sense. Right. Now, let's talk about witches. Um, I mean, there's Wiccan, which I don't constitute them as Satanist witches, but are there witches in Satanism? They, they are not Satanist witches. I mean, they're 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 using the same powers. Right. It's all demonic. Gotcha. Um, for Wiccans, you know, it, it it's like I I put it this way. Um, there's also a verse in the Satanic Bible that's you know near the end of it right. that says you know, I will only spare those who worshipped me in my name. Okay. Not the Wiccans, not the this, not the that, not the people who worship Paul, not the, you know, 
Right. But it was the people who worshipped Satan are the people he would gotcha. save. Gotcha. Not that he's going to save anybody. Well, but, no, he doesn't have know. the power to. Well, I mean, you know, that, that he's going to make princes of hell and, you know, there's no human being alive or. Right. That is going to rule with him. No. You know, well, it's one, just another one of his lies. For what he does, he's not going to rule. So, I mean, that in itself is a lie because he's going to be thrown yeah. into the fiery pit and he's not even going to rule there. So it's not like he can give you anything. In the end, yeah. he has nothing. Yeah. Well, no. Right. Well, I'm sure I've told you one of the, the, the first lie they teach you in Satanism yeah. is by casting out of God made himself fallible. Oh, and they make a pretty good argument with it. It's just not true. Just true. not true, yeah. yeah. Right. Pretty nicely. I and so, it. you know, that's the whole promise following him is that you're the only ones that are going to rule with him. Yeah, that's a lie. And he's not going to rule at all. Of course. No, and that is a lie. Just like you said. Yeah. Giving people the perception that there's going to be, that, that he has any power. Like, there's going to be this, that has always been his biggest lie. It's like, you're going to, and I've had lots of people say, oh, I'd rather rule and party in hell with the devil than live in heaven. You know, it's like, you're not going to. It's just separation from God. It's, yeah. it's, you're not, it's, 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 it's jail, a horrible jail. It's, it's not a... But, but, the, the devil, that's, you know, what most people don't understand. And even I've ran into a lot of Christians that don't understand this. Is they think that Satan and the demons are going to rule hell and make you sorry for people that go there. They're not going to rule and reign in anything at any time. Right. They're going to be locked away. Absolutely. And that's going to be it, you know. Oh, that's it forever. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've got a lot about Satanism to think about here. Um, appreciate you coming on the show and, you know, talking about it with us. Maybe we'll have you on again. We can, you know, talk more about it. And, uh, <clears throat> maybe we can get you on when we do actually talk about Satanism. <laughs> have uh, you, me, and Doug, <laughs> all of us, figure out how to do a three-way call. But uh, you haven't talked to Doug in a while, so he's going to seminary. I haven't. I haven't talked to Doug in forever. Yeah, oh, he's crazy. But uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully, you found this interesting. Just remember that you know Satan. Right. Satan is thanks for having me, Jay. Oh, you're welcome. But um, you know, glad you could come on. And um, once again, if you guys want to um, check us out, you can check us out at the Christian Sages at Gmail .com. Um, You can also that's how you can contact us, or you can contact us on the Christian Sages. Dot com, or you can contact yeah, yeah. us on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, you disappeared for a while there. <laughs> but uh, I'm still recording. Yep. I'm just saying goodbye. <laughs> okay. So, everybody, just thank you so much for coming right. on. As always, if you have any prayer requests, um, you can just you can contact us at the Christian Sages at gmail.com. You can contact us at the Christian Sage at gmail.com. You can contact us on Facebook. We're always welcome you can DM us on the Christian Sages um, Facebook page, or you can contact us at thechristiansage.com, our website. Um, they have our email address, or you can contact us directly through there. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this was informative for, with you guys about Satanism and uh, you know just how deadly and dangerous it can be. Uh, love you all, and have a wonderful time. Thanks so much for checking in. God bless. Talk to you all later. <laughs>